right, good morning, everybody. Today is Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Welcome to episode number 159 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm your host, Gerald Osher, and over the next half hour, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner so you can apply it today and absolutely just dominate. Or if you're looking to break in the industry, you're definitely going to be asked in an interview, how do you stay current? And if you're looking to break in the industry, being part of the daily cyber threat briefing gives you context. You start to hear the same kind of things. You start to uh, identify what these kind of macro level issues are, and you'll just be more confident and more informed as you're you know, executing on that job hunt. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, the one and only Barricade Cyber Solutions. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. So that's not good for anybody. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve the ransomware incident and get your business back on track. You're happy, your boss is happy, the business is happy, no one loses their job, bad guys suck an egg. So if you're if you don't if you're actively being ransomware and your pants are on fire, you're probably not watching this because literally your your pants are on fire. Um, but you would call Barricade Cyber. And if you haven't experienced this, but you don't have a solution in place, consider having a conversation with Barricade Cyber. If you go over to their website, uh, I think it's barricadecyber.com. Eric Taylor's in chat. He's the CEO of the company. Drop that in chat. Eric, his calendar is right there on the homepage. You can schedule a very informal, casual, you know, basically conversation and see what's up. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications like CISA, CISM, CISP, all these guys, they all require CPEs or continuing education, right? You've got to stay informed, you know, in order to maintain that cert. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, just like this one, is worth half a CPE, which stacks, right? So if you've been here all week, that's two and a half. Boom. Mark it down, shooter, right? You're here all month. Boom. Ten. Mark it right? So be sure to say what's up in chat. That way it's burned into the YouTubes forever that you were here and you could point back to an auditor. Just say, hey, how you doing? Even if you're introverted, just a, a quick little hi, good morning, where you're calling from will definitely help. And it will document literally the easiest and I argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. If you are live, I see 70 of you here just on Simply Cyber's YouTubes. Love it. Thank you for being here. I genuinely appreciate it. Special shout out to any University of Dallas members who are here. I gave a talk last night to about 45 people uh, from University of Dallas and had a great, great experience. Thank you to Matthew Davis for setting that up. Uh, if you are on team replay hashtag team replay in chat right if you're watching on replay drop make sure you say what's up in, in the comments again to get credit for that cp but also to identify with those other individuals who are hashtag team replay i know eric taylor started the hashtag team live so if you are live and that's how you want to uh identify go ahead and hashtag team live thanks for catching the stream now if you want to jump right to the news when this promo card here thing turns into news <laughs> basically when this changes then we're off and running but for the next couple minutes as i always like to do i'm gonna say good morning to chat i'm gonna take a slug off this coffee i haven't really had a chance to get into it and we're all gonna collectively see whether or not my audio implodes again 
Good news from a from a production perspective. I was so upset yesterday after the issues that we encountered as a community on the podcast that I went and I purchased uh, a Go XLR mini mixer, which if you're not into streaming or anything, uh, you may not know this, but basically it's a hardware solution to replace the software piece that's breaking. I, I did a root cause analysis because I'm a nerd on what the problem was yesterday. I discovered it. I think I have a piecemeal solution for today, but the Go LXR, it, it's, it's going to be hardware and it will eliminate all issues. So we will be good to go starting Monday next week, but today we're all going to see what's happening. And just to tease a couple other things out, uh, we do have Grayson's joke of the week coming up later on in the show. It's a good one and a huge, what I would consider a huge announcement. I've been teasing it all week, but we've got a big announcement um, that I will do at the midway point. So good morning, everybody. Hey, Joel Belton. Great seeing you last night on the Simply Cyber Live. Casual Joseph making it every day this week. Awesome. McLarty, Bernice, Axiom Brevity, a regular in the chat. Sekmeister, it's going to be no. Professor Black Ops, good to see you. DJ Sec knows what the Go XLR is. He's a DJ. Hey, Philip Martin, good to see you. Jim Lund, my man. Good to talk to you. Brent Garee in the house. Hello to Brent. Hello to Emerson. It is Friday. They are consistent, so love seeing that. Matt Mirrors, good to see you. Yep, B-Sex. Grayson, Grayson came in right as I was spinning up the lights and everything and dropped a, a joke on me. I'm, I'm a big fan. Love it. Oh, Brian Woods, you got it, man. We're going we're gonna to slide right into it. Good news, good updates. Um, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Shout out and thanks to Lima Charlie. I, I am friends with those guys over there. They got that huge investment recently. They sent me a, a t-shirt, uh, which I love. Huge logo, right? Navina, good to see you. Happy Friday. Guys, super pumped. I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, this week was very, very busy, more than usual, um, really pushing me to my limits. Uh, I'm super pumped. It's Friday. Uh, I actually have a kind um, a block of time set off at the end of the day for me to like actually retrospectively look at what's going on um, bigger picture um, and get ready for you know Black Hat Defcon and all these other conferences I'm going to Dan Reardon in the house good to see you Dan Steven what's up Chandler Shub on Twitch yeah man good day to you too hey oh Grayson's in the <laughs> Grayson's in the streams what's up Grayson good to see you thanks for being here Midori good to see you Steven Eric Taylor my man hopefully you're back from your travel Eric I think I saw you the other day in your house um, good to see you. Patrick Moss, my man. Jess Bishop. Guys, Jess Bishop broke in the industry. Sock analyst. I hope, you know, probably a week or two now she's been at it. I want to congratulate you, Jess, and hope you're having a great experience. Whew. All right, guys. Like, <laughs> here we go. Let's uh, all collectively hold our breaths as I give this music a shot. Okay, guys. Here we go. Here we go. I really don't feel great about this. Here we go. All right. So I just played the intro. Did you guys hear it? I want to try to make this as smooth as possible. Did you guys hear it? Mm. Oh, God, this coffee's good. Dan Reardon, Frog Dog, regular in the stream. Eric Silberman, good to see you, Eric. Love the chats. You're hearing the music, yes, but not the podcast. So... The I only played a moment of the podcast. Um, ooh, Stacking Coins. I do love the Midnight. They've got a new album coming out in September. Guys, I did play the podcast for a minute. 
I'm going to re... Hold on. Let's do this really quickly. Here we go. Default output input. Oh my gosh. Let's see. Can we do this? Can we do this? You know what? Let's try this. I don't even know if this will work. Here. I'm going to reboot my audio. <laughs> Hold on. All right. You got, can you hear that? I do have, I have a massive backup plan. Did you guys hear the podcast or no? I know the music's playing. I'm trying not to have dead air. Can you hear the podcast? No, I'm assuming no. Okay, we've got, I've got a backup plan. This is literally the only time this will ever happen. Again, grant me grace. I have an XLR mixer coming that will solve all of this. Tomorrow, I'm going to tear my entire studio down and rebuild it from the ground up, okay? So, this is going to be a little janky, okay? But please, bear with me, okay? All right, because you guys don't want me to read these these news uh, streams, okay? Here we go. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. How's that? Is that too loud? It's Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Microsoft Teams outage also takes down Microsoft 365. What initially started as a minor Microsoft Teams outage has also taken down multiple Microsoft 365 services with Teams integration, including Exchange Online, Windows 365, and Office Online. Late Wednesday night, the company revealed on Twitter that it had received reports of users being unable to access Microsoft Teams or leverage any features. Two hours later, it's the issue causing the connection problems was a recent deployment that featured a broken connection to an internal storage service. All right. Now, now listen, I'm getting chat already that this is janky. Guess what? I know it's janky. It's just what I've got right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, okay? This is what we got. I Like, listen, this isn't, uh, you know, I mean, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Share your whole window? Share your whole window with audio and you can bounce between tabs? Hold on. Hold on. We'll give this a shot one time, okay? Share my whole window. I'm getting mod support and I'm getting mod um, shade thrown at me right now. I'm going to need a janky emote. Okay, hold on. God dang. I thought you guys would be receptive to this, but hold on. Okay, I'm going to share my entire screen and screen. And Okay, we'll give this a shot. I, I don't have time for a demo. Give me a second. Ready? Here we go. Let's Let's hope. Here we go. Okay, now you guys are seeing the magic here. Okay, so how do I, um, let me do this. And then let's do this. Okay. This outage also takes down Microsoft 365. What initially started as a minor Microsoft Teams outage has also taken down multiple Microsoft 365 services with Teams integration, including Exchange Online, That's Windows 365, point. and Office Online. Oh my God! This Late Wednesday night, the company revealed. All right, is that working? Does that work? 
All right. Okay. So this is a this is a band-aid, people. This is what band-aids look like. Let's do it. On Twitter that it had received reports of users being unable to access Microsoft Teams or leverage any features. Two hours later, it said the issue causing the connection problems was a recent deployment that featured a broken connection to an internal storage service. Mm -hmm. Heatwave forced... Okay, so Microsoft is officially announcing that Microsoft Teams went down. I didn't notice an outage personally yesterday. I do use Teams. Um, but it took down other Microsoft 365 services. This is a great reminder, guys. It says it was an internal configuration to a network share of some sort. This is a great reminder that you need to have at minimum some type of kind of um, business continuity plan of sorts, right? Like obviously a contract with Microsoft, you get five nines of availability and uptime, right? You know, that's fine, but crap happens, right? We've seen Facebook go down because of BGP routing issues. We've seen AWS go down, data, like full regions go down. This is no different, okay? So. I guess what I'm I'm thinking is, you know, it, it's hard to have a full backup of like, here's a Slack instance, like let's all go to Slack. But I guess just be mindful that you have the key people's um, phone numbers in your phone that you need, or you have alternative, um, you really shouldn't be using alternative email uh, addresses for business communications and stuff like that. But for mission critical things where you need to be able to communicate very important to have at least some type of backup option available to you, much like what we're doing right now with the audio on this podcast. But um, when I saw this story, I actually thought, um, you know, people who hate teams out like, you know, r rose up and brought teams down um, in the name of like, you know, having Zoom replace it or something like that. If I had to guess, they didn't say how long the team's outage was. But if I had to guess, given the size of Microsoft and the complexity and um, redundancy built into Azure, I would assume that it was not down very long. So yeah, exactly. McLarty had an hour and a half teams meeting, no, no downtime. So interesting story. Like the only reason this is a newsworthy story is simply because even a fortune five giant can have production issues and we all rely on the supply chain. So just be mindful. Google and Oracle to shut down in London. As record temperatures hit much of the UK on Tuesday, tech giants Google and Oracle suffered outages as cooling systems failed at London data centers. Oracle reported overheating problems just before 4 p.m. British time. The company pointed out how the unseasonably high temperatures in the city forced the data center units to operate above their design limits. Overheating also hit a Google Cloud data center in London at 6 p.m. that same day, but they claimed only a small set of customers were affected. This is really Im impressive. Okay, I'm going to explain why this is really impressive in a second. Anybody from the UK in chat here? How you guys doing? I saw, I've seen a couple like uh, social media posts of people standing outside with thermometers and stuff, but I had no idea that like basically London was on fire. Here's what's interesting. Google and Oracle data centers. Guys, if you've ever been in a data center, it's really loud. It's like, and you've got drop floors and drop ceilings because there is massive amounts of air conditioning. Look at next time you're somewhere that has a data center, look at the roof. You will see massive, huge air conditioners on top. 
The reason being all of that tech generates heat. Like my studio gets hot with like two monitors and a laptop, right? It generates heat and it will cause, you know, production issues. Like you, you will melt it. That's why I don't know if you guys have ever seen your iPhone will shut off. If like you leave it in the sun and you're like talking or whatever, it happens from time to time. What's interesting is Google and Oracle are huge companies with very, very deep pockets, meaning they can fund proper installations of data centers. Their data centers definitely have heavy duty air conditioners in. And for the data center not to be able to handle because of the heat outside is staggering. It's not like data centers are made of glass, right? It's not a glass greenhouse. It's literally typically a, um, a you know, a nondescript brick building and the brick and whatever holds the heat, right? Or it's, it's in, it's some type of concrete or um, masonry. So I'm stunned. It's staggering. That it must be that hot there. Uh, for them to, to have to shut down uh, systems. Now, granted, they probably didn't shut down all the systems. They may have, a lot of times data centers will just run all the machines because it's a pain in the butt to go shut off individual machines because who cares? It's not worth the time, energy, and effort and cost to, to, to put people on it. Uh, but it does help if you start picking certain machines off that aren't being used or they're for redu like triple redundancy and stuff like that. So this right here, this story, for people looking to break in, one thing that you have to be mindful of, we always talk about like elite hacks and zero days and crap like that. And yeah, that's wicked cool and sexy part of cyber. But in reality, phys physical security, PhysSec, isn't just about people kicking in doors and breaking in and social engineering and Zach, um, Zach Hill dressing up like an AT&T guy. It, there's environmental controls, right? Is there an air conditioner installed above the data center? Let's just play this for a second. Imagine... So the, the data center manager is like, oh my God, the heat wave is crushing our data center. We're, we're dangerously too high, which by the way, they had a thermometer in the data center. That's a control for detection, right? Oh, it's, it's getting too high according to our detection controls. Let's put in a um, res response control, right? Let's install another air conditioner, a split V, right? Go down to uh, Best Buy and purchase an air conditioner and stick it in there. Well, guess what? If you install that air conditioner above a server rack, it's going to drip water on the server rack. And now you got a whole other host of problems, right? Maybe you, you, I don't know, you do liquid cooling and a pipe burst or whatever, and the data center starts filling with water. You'll put, these are real environmental controls. So you'll see in data centers, um, there's like detection controls where there's like a little monitor on the bottom. And if water gets over the monitor, it'll alert the data center manager. That's to avoid the flooding of the data center. I guess what I'm just trying to say is be mindful. It's not all zeros and ones and bits and bytes and cool, sexy stuff. Sometimes it's literally, is there a fire extinguisher accessible for putting a fire out? All right. Plus one for uh, PhysSec. Oh, can I get, um? let's see if the soundboard works. Give a couple Mario coins for uh, PhysSec. Hackers for hire. Adversaries employ cyber mercenaries. A cyber gang dubbed Atlas Intelligence Group is recruiting independent black hat hackers to execute specific aspects of its own campaigns. Also known as Atlantis Cyber Army, it functions as a cyber threats as a service criminal enterprise, offering services that include data leaks, DDoS attacks, remote desktop protocol hijacking, and additional network penetration services. This according to a Thursday report by threat intelligence firm CyberInt.
Whereas organized threat groups tend to recruit individuals with certain capabilities that they can reuse and incent them with profit sharing, AIG uniquely outsources specific aspects of an attack to mercenaries who have no further involvement in that attack. The report's author said only AIG administrators and the group's leader, dubbed Mr. Eagle, knows fully what the campaign will be. Oh my god. Okay. Let's have fun with this for a minute, okay? It is the Atlantis Cyber Army. So get to know that name because it's that's got market uh, potential and it's, it's kind of cool. And it's led by Mr. Eagle. Okay. All right. So... This is kind of scary. All right, guys, let me explain why. Let me take a sip of coffee and then I'm going to tell you why this is a, a major concern, okay? I'm pretty serious, said Mr. Eagle. Okay, guys, here is a major concern. This right here is essentially... Um, th okay. Think of reservoir dogs, right? This is basically cyber reservoir dogs. There is a leader, Mr. Eagle, who has a um, stable of mercenaries, right? I know what Josh Mason's good at. I know what Joel Belton's good at. I know what BSEC's good at. I know what Jack Scott's good at, right? Everybody's got their own little, like, you know, arsenal. And instead of having the A-team where you go in each week and do a different mission together, a.k.a. like, you know, I guess uh, Conti Ransom or Revil or something like that, you have this like just plug and play on demand, the right skills for the right job at the right time. And everybody gets a taste and then they go on their way. Just like, you know, every action movie where the, they all get like a little bit of money after the bank robbery and the opening action sequence. And then they go, you know, wherever like the Italian job. So here's the problem. That's a very effective business model. Right. And it kind of sucks that the challenge for that business model is having the Rolodex of all the mercenaries um, to know which skills and then getting the like coming up with the, the crime and then employing them the right way here to me is the big problem. Right. And by the way, the Reservoir Dogs, similar idea. No one knew each other and it was a one time hit. And that was it. Here's the problem, guys. Miter attack is very valuable, right? It allows us to see the full taxonomy of all type of tactics, uh, techniques, and uh, processes. I might be wrong. I always get that wrong. Of threat actors, right? And then we can use APT Group's signatures, the top of David Bianco's Pyramid of Pain, right? The TTPs, to identify and prevent. So like Conti Ransomware. They've kind of disappeared after the Costa Rican government ransomware attack, but let's just use them as an example. You could go to MITRE ATT&CK, pull up Conti, aka Wizard Spider, is what you'll find them under because that's their actual gang name, and you could pull down their TTPs. This is how they break in. This is how they establish persistence. This is how they move laterally. Then you could go into your own environment and look at your controls around those particular techniques and determine whether or not you had gap or whether you were sufficiently protected to a level that you felt, okay, we're, we're reasonably all right. With something like this, the TTPs, the top of the pyramid of pain, literally changes every time because you have different operators using different techniques with different code, different skills, different cadence, everything about it's different. The only thing that is same is the back end guy organizing it. And he's never going to, or woman, they're never going to touch your infrastructure. 
So this is going to be incredibly difficult to defend against. I mean, guys, basic blocking and tackling, fundamental cybersecurity, the foundational pieces, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a good cyber hygiene. That's what's going to protect from this. But this is scary. Hopefully this doesn't take off as like a business model. I will also say I don't operate in the dark webs. I know that um, like Eric Taylor is always up in the dark webs. A couple other people, uh, I think Joel Belton goes up into the dark webs. Uh, I don't know if this is the thing. If you were a cyber mercenary kind of gig economy, um, you know, organizer, you probably wouldn't be shouting it out on the on the public web, right? Because you'd want to be quiet. You'd only want bad guys to know about it or cyber mercenaries. So you know, maybe this has already happened and there's some, um, issue with it that, that, you know, allows it not to be like super successful. But for me, just reading this story and looking and thinking about it, uh, this is a concern. This is a major concern. Also just to throw gasoline on the fire. If you've ever done that, you know, it's like, the recession is coming or it's here. People are losing their jobs. People are, you know, there's a wealth gap. So people are either losing their jobs or not getting paid. Um, they're they're scrambling to make ends meet. You know, this is appealing. Hey, you want a one-time job? You know, $200,000 for, you know, four hours of work. It's a concern, y'all. TikTok is the fastest growing news service in the UK. The social video platform is the fastest growing news source for UK adults, according to a survey conducted by the UK government's Office of Communications. Nearly half of people using it for current affairs turn to fellow TikTokers rather than conventional news organizations for their updates. TikTok is used by 7% of adults for news, according to the UK's communications watchdog, up from 1% in 2020. The growth is primarily driven by young users with half of its news followers aged 16 to 24. But incidentally, a quarter of U.S. adults say that they always use TikTok to get the news with nearly half of U.S. millennial and Gen Z adults under 41s and under 25s respectively, indicating the same, according to analysis from Forrester. All right. So... You know, I do want to mention TikTok moved to an Oracle backend infrastructure and the UK's Oracle data centers are overheating and TikTok is the fastest growing news source in the UK. I don't know if there's any correlation there, right? Causation doesn't equal correlation, but it's interesting. Okay, this is, I don't want to say concerning, but people should wake up and pay attention, right? The way that we consume news is changing, right? We don't log in or log in. I'm such a nerd. We don't sit down for the five o'clock news. We don't catch the 11 o'clock news. Older people typically do. And maybe I'm not saying everybody, right? So like you could be a 25 year old who catches the 11 o'clock news, but more people are getting their news uh, in different ways. Now, I personally uh, get my news from multiple sources, but I, I'm always quick to go to Twitter. Honestly, like when WannaCry was busting, when Kevin Beaumont's talking about Blue Keep, like you know, from an information security perspective, Twitter is pretty good. Now, Twitter has its problems. And I think there's really no difference between Twitter and TikTok right now in, in, in what I think is something that people should be mindful and a concern. Here's the deal. It's all about information uh, control and misinformation and disinformation. Okay. And let's just remove, 
let's just remove the TikToks owned by China. Okay. Just put that to the side for a second. Here's the problem. Yes. I like something could happen in our town, right? Uh, let's okay. Check this out. The, um, uh, Roe versus Wade, right? Very polarizing topic. As the news was breaking that the Supreme Court made this decision, and then there's talk about like the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas Justice's wife, and what how she was involved with um, the the Trump administration, stuff like that, right? You may go to TikTok for your news because you're you know millennial Gen Z, and this is where you're going to get your news. Or Brexit uh, for the UK people, right? Uh, Boris Johnson uh, retiring or resigning or quitting or being fired or whatever happened over there. You go to TikTok. Now, I've got pro views and Joel Belton's got, um, you know, anti views or whatever you want to say. Well, if whoever's controlling TikTok wants a certain message sent a certain way, they can um, suppress one perspective and inflate or, you know, uh, excite one perspective. Do you see what I'm saying? And people who are just like turning into, tuning into TikTok to consume data for news are getting a bent version of the news. and. At least with news channels, you can go to Fox News and get um, kind of a, a right perspective, or you can go to MSNBC and get a left perspective, but you know what you're getting. On TikTok, you can't filter by, you know, agenda or political uh, alignment or, you know what I mean? Like, it, it it's, so this is part of the concern, right? It can be used to manipulate public consent and public um, perception and attitude. And that is something that was addressed in the 2016, well, following the 2016 U.S. presidential election, um, famously brought forth by Cambridge Analytica and what they did with Facebook. So all of this is just something to say, this is a tidal wave that's crashing, okay? So we're not gonna keep people from catching their news off TikTok, right? You just have to be mindful about how it can be used to, for manipulation purposes and then you know move forward in that way. By the way, Twitter, uh, is doing some good stuff with thumbs down, thumbs up buttons and um, putting like little uh, like tags or disclaimers that this isn't fact checked and stuff like that. So there has been some work in this space, but this is a very green area. Okay. All right, let's let's get the message from CISO series. Thanks to today's episode sponsor, Six Clicks. Experience the magic of Haley, the Six Clicks artificial intelligence engine for risk and compliance. With Haley, organizations can automatically show cross-compliance between regulations or identify gaps to external compliance requirements in their policies. Eliminate manual and costly risk and compliance processes by joining the hundreds of businesses that trust Six Clicks. For more information, visit sixclicks.com slash CISO series. That's the number six, C-L-I-C-K-S dot com slash CISO series. All right. It is the halfway point, and I want to thank all of you for being here. We've got a couple announcements. Uh, first, I'll tease out the Grayson joke of the day. Why? Uh, and for those of you who are new here or whatever, on Fridays, my 10-year-old submits a joke to the show. It's a nice little thing that we do in order to kind of kick off the weekend. Uh, today's joke of the day, this week's joke of the week is, why are programmers terrible bartenders? Why are programmers terrible bartenders? While we queue up some responses to that, I do want to drop a big revelation. This has been about eight weeks in the making. 
I'm very, very happy and very, very proud to announce that the simplycyber.io website, the new website is officially launched. It has way more access to way more stuff. A couple of things to point out, the free resources, there was a lot of requests for this. You can now filter by category on the free resources. It's got infinite scroll base case. So thank you for that uh, idea. You can get to what you need way faster. There is a ton of free resources uh, in here. Obviously, uh, also, I'll be starting, there's a couple blog posts in here, but I'm going to be doing some quick hit blog posts. Um, I want to share information in different ways, but it's also really an opportunity to have basically the internet find Simply Cyber a little bit easier. Uh, obviously, you'll be able to uh, filter by different types of uh, blog posts and content. This is something that I'm slowly working on. It's not all going to be videos. It will be, um, you know, if I do a lab and I'm showing like my lab write up, like I've been, Jess Bishop uh, had this great blog post and I, like I bought a Arduino chip and made a rubber ducky. Like if you plug this into a computer right now, it will rickroll you. But I, I want to make a a lab video on how you can follow along and I just haven't had time. So things like that will be on there. A lot of good stuff. Obviously, um, the GRC Analyst Masterclass uh, will be here um, and just a bunch of other stuff. So definitely, you know, you probably had it bookmarked already, but if you haven't, check it out. If it, if it, if it you know, it excites you, go ahead and bookmark it. Also, really quick, I just want to point out that I will be starting a newsletter as well. So if you drop your name and email address, just as we kind of do new initiatives, um, like the upcoming tournament for Threatchen, I might send a newsletter blast out about that. If I do, you know, a certain lab video or if I'm going to be speaking at Wild West Hacking Fest, which I will be in um, October, I'll send a blast out there. So no pressure. Um, but this is the new website, simplycyber.io. I hope you guys check it out. If you have any um, constructive feedback about making the website better, let me know. But my web dev... Uh, she, I asked if she wanted me to uh, provide references and she said she's really busy right now and no, but she did a fantastic job. I'm very, very pleased with how this site turned out and I'm really, really um, happy to share it with y'all. Okay. So hopefully you enjoy that. Okay. So why are programmers terrible bartenders? Because they don't open no, new tabs. They don't open tabs or they don't, they don't take, no, they don't open new tabs, right? All right. I think I kind of butchered that. Sorry, Grayson. Basically, it has to do with them not opening tabs, right? They're terrible bartenders because they're not getting paid. All right. So thank you for checking out the website. Thank you for the joke of the day, Grayson. Let's keep, keep rolling. The growth in targeted sophisticated cyber attacks troubles top FBI cyber official. The FBI is deeply worried that cyber criminals and nation-state adversaries are developing more precision in their attacks and taking advantage of innovations in artificial intelligence that will compound the digital threat in the years to come. This according to FBI Assistant Director for Cyber, Brian Vordren, on Wednesday. He said, quote, when we think about software as a service or even supply chain attacks, what happens when the adversary understands that there is perhaps one software factory that services the entire community, end quote. Vorndren oversees 1,000 FBI agents focused on cybercrimes nationwide. He made these comments during a speech Wednesday at Fordham University's Cybersecurity Conference. 
In that same address, he pointed to the growing problem of blended threats in which nation-states and criminal enterprises work together, as well as the growing sophistication of deepfake technology. Yeah, so, I mean, okay. First of all, I'm, I'm glad that the FBI is talking about this. I mean, this is the assistant director for cyber, so if he was talking about anything other than cyber, it would be concerning. Um, Jack Scott does a weekly cyber fed news roundup. I think it's right after this show. I'll actually try at the end of the show to see if I can uh, push you guys to it. But um, this might be one of the news stories that's involved. Um, essentially, guys, all of this right here, all of this is simply saying that supply chain is risk. That like like the, the the integrated global economy, software as a service, Microsoft Teams, Office 365 goes down, right? How's that impact? AWS goes down. This is what they're saying here. And, you know, I appreciate that they're calling it a top cyber concern because it's true. But like, this has been a concern. The NIST cybersecurity framework, the major update that they made from the initial version to the second version was introducing an entire supply chain category, right? Like that was the big change. So we as practitioners, we as a, you know, you know, I guess an industry have been mindful that supply chain is a real thing. Look at log4j. That's a perfect example, right? Log4j, it was everywhere. And obviously it, it's a major issue and people couldn't even find if it was in their environment or not. And it's because of all this like integrated software going up the pipe, right? So um, you know, I'm a like a driver manufacturer, like like drivers, software drivers, and I borrow a piece of code from GitHub, and now it's in my driver, and then the driver gets put in like a chip manufacturer takes my driver to make it work, and then the chip manufacturer gets uh, baked into um, a computer manufacturer, and then a computer manufacturer sells it into a fleet, and then it's in a data center somewhere, and you have no clue that that piece of code is maybe not running, but is laying dormant, waiting to be called in that data center. So. Supply chain is a real thing. There's a lot of blind spots with supply chain and it is a real concern. Now, they do talk about it being a concern because um, targeted threat actors and you know very advanced APTs, so A stands for advanced in APT, but very advanced APTs, um, could target a very specific problem or a piece of code and set it up so then it can have this cascading effect. Um, Famously, if you want to um, dip into the uh, Wayback Machine really quick, famously, um, there was a news story from Bloomberg. Oh, my God. Uh, Bloomberg. I, I just want to um, the, the big hack um, motherboard backdoor. This was like a huge thing. I don't know if you guys remember this. Right. This is from can we get a date on this? October 4th, 2018. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a big, big story that basically, get out of here, Bloomberg. There was a big story back in 2018, had people in all of a kerfuffle that a um, a motherboard company out of China had, had put in a hardware backdoor on all the motherboards coming out of China or um, Shanghai, I think. And it, these, these serve, they were like motherboards for servers. And these things were in Amazon data centers, Apple data centers. It was like, it was like the 30 
top U.S. companies had these motherboards in their data centers and people for a minute, like for, for a hot minute, were like losing their mind that basically we were, we were, you know, I don't want to say being compromised, but like, you know, basically this like web of network backdoors had been deployed silently waiting for like the Manchurian candidate to like activate. Um, you know, a lot of people in our industry pushed back on this story saying it was ridiculous and it, it couldn't happen. And like, let's see some evidence to support some of these wild claims. Bloomberg never retracted the story. As you can see, I just pulled it up. They never retracted the story and it never really was substantiated. Um, just as a quick aside, your boy Jerry made a couple bucks off investing in that company because I knew it was a hot mess lie of a story and the stock went down and then the stock went way back up afterwards. But that's, you know, whatever, two thumbs and smiling. Um, but anyways, this, this has been an issue for four or five years, guys, the supply chain thing. And you know, I'm, I'm just glad that the FBI is talking about it now, but it's not a new thing, you know? So. E220 gang cloud botnet infected 30,000 hosts globally. Researchers from Sentinel-1 reported that the low-skill Crimeware 8220 gang has expanded their cloud botnet over the last month to roughly 30,000 hosts globally. The gang focuses on infecting cloud hosts to deploy cryptocurrency miners by exploiting known vulnerabilities and conducting brute force attacks. The 8220 group has been active since at least 2017. The threat actors are Chinese-speaking, and the name of the group comes from the port number 8220 used by the miner to communicate with command and control servers. In a recent campaign, the group took systems and used RCE exploits for Atlassian confluence and web logic for initial access. All right. So, you know, I get maybe I'm just like, I don't want to say desensitized, but I'm just, I've just seen it so much. Like this is actually a refreshing story. Okay. This is a crime, cybercrime gang. According to the article, I didn't fact check this, but it says they're low skill. So they're exploiting known vulnerabilities, probably with published exploits. And they're installing crypto miners and they have it in about 30,000 hosts. So they're probably generating a tidy little sum monthly. A couple things here. One, I've said it on the show many times, right? Like crypto miners are low, like low priority for me as a, as a CISO, right? Like I just, I, I don't want them in my environment, but if I see them and I've got something else going on, I'm not going to take care of them right now. They're just not a major issue. They're, they're, they're like, I don't know. It's like, it's like a, uh, I don't know, like a little bit of a rash on your leg. Like, yeah, it sucks. You don't like it, but like, you know, you're, you're, you're driving, <laughs> you're driving up the, up the side of the country, right? And you got a little bit of a rash on your leg. You're not going to pull over and drive 20 minutes to a Walgreens to get ointment. You'll just take care of it when you get to your destination, right? Basically the same thing when it comes to crypto miners in your environment. Secondly, 30,000 hosts. Yeah, that's a good number and like whatever, but like seriously, every single other botnet is like, hold my beer, right? Like Mirai had like 600,000 um, this Luna one recently had a couple hundred thousand, like 30,000, like that's cute, <laughs> you know, with all due respect, right? I mean, whatever, 30 G's. So anyways, um, you know, Chinese based, no big deal. Like this, this is a thing. And so I guess the one actionable thing I would say is 
check your endpoints or you know set a rule up on your firewall to see to see if requests are coming in on port 8220 as you know that's a very very um it sounds like a a, a fixed value that this cybercrime gang is doing i mean obviously you can change the ports pretty easily but um and this would be an inbound request on 8220 or a listening service on an endpoint on 8220 that's what you should be looking for right Okay. The call is coming from inside the house. Outlook email users alert to suspicious activity from Microsoft-owned IP address. Strange things are afoot in the world of Microsoft email with multiple users reporting unusual sign-in notifications for their Outlook accounts. The twist here is that the IP address at the root of the issue appears to originate within Microsoft itself. The messages, according to users, also appear in the unusual activity section of the company's email website, ruling out a phishing attack. The Register reports that explanations from Microsoft are slow in coming and quotes an independent IT specialist who suggests that other than something being severely wrong in the single sign-on department, perhaps miscreants were reusing passwords from various disclosure lists. All right. New. Register. Like, I got to find out who the author is of this. Hold on. We're going to start tracking this. Richard Speed. Okay. Note to self. Next time we see Miscreant, see if Richard Speed's the author. Like, th this word right here doesn't get enough playtime in modern language. And uh, the register throws it around quite a bit. I don't know if this is from the UK. If there's anyone here from the UK, uh, is Miscreant's like a term that you guys throw around, like the way that we throw around... Um, What's a very American term? <laughs> hey, jerk off or whatever. <laughs> but I don't know if miscreant is like pretty common in the UK or not, but okay. So check it out. When you do exchange online protection and you're, you're kind of running blue team security operations infosec for an organization and you look at the um, suspicious emails in your environment, there's usually a lot of them, like almost overwhelming where like, unless it's your full-time job, you can't really manage them very well. And it'll give you a reason why it's suspicious. Like, oh, it's uh, it was reported as a fish by other users. It was uh, like from a, from a known compromised C2 malicious domain, et cetera, et cetera. I will tell you that sometimes when you get these emails and they're coming from Microsoft's IP range or, or Google's IP range, uh, this is less with the email and more with like network traffic and stuff. You see endpoints talking to Azure, endpoints talking to Google. Threat actors can operate in those uh, in those um, uh, IP ranges, right? Like they can set up malicious software in Google Cloud. But it's very difficult as a practitioner to be able to filter out like this is legit traffic, this is not legit traffic. And by the way, like, let's say you just turn on a computer, you haven't installed anything. There's a lot of like underneath the hood um, communication going on between the endpoint and um, <clears throat> different services. But like, let's just say you're running Microsoft Windows and maybe you have Defender for Endpoint, right? There might be, you know, 15 different network connections going on, looking for updates, uh, pushing telemetry, you know, um, like some lower level subsystem stuff. Like it's very, very difficult for me personally. So maybe, you know, my SecOps people on the phone, uh, maybe they're like, oh, Jerry, you suck at your job. And like, this is actually quite easy. But for me, when I look at all that, it's, it's like noise. I'm like, I have no data 
to be able to identify whether or not that is malicious or that is legitimate. And you basically kind of like stick your thumb in your mouth and pop it into the wind and say like, it looks legit, right? It makes sense why this would be happening. There's nothing. It's almost like um, acceptable unless proven malicious, right? It like looks safe. It's going to, uh, you know, Microsoft's domain. Okay. So for this one, um, it's interesting that people dug in a little bit and saw that it was coming from um, Microsoft. They, they do report in the report that users um, moving to two-factor auth appears not to stop the unusual activity. This is like such a no-brainer. Like this is this might be a tricky question for like an entry-level job interview. Like what does putting 2FA on my account have anything to do with an email coming from a suspicious user? Those two things are like, completely separated from each other it doesn't even like this sentence like doesn't doesn't belong here this doesn't make any sense like yeah you could put 2fa on but it, of course it appears not to stop the unusual activity explain to me when it would stop the unusual activity you're getting emails right oh wait hold on i'm sorry i'm losing my mind hold on <laughs> users have wisely changed their password but occasionally see a successful sync among failed login attempt. So I guess that is 2FA. I don't know. Uh, which one? Look for the Microsoft. Okay. Oh, I see. It's not, I'm sorry, bonehead. Okay. So it's not about, it's not about getting email from malicious users. It's I, Microsoft IP based um, login attempts to end users. Um, mailboxes right so it's like brute force brute force attacking sorry i kind of <laughs> i put my my blinders on and yelled yolo and just went running down the road like an ass like this is slightly different story okay basically you're seeing fake login attempts suspicious activity uh but it's coming from azure which actually gets to the point that i made before there's nothing stopping malicious threat actors for standing up infrastructure in azure or in google cloud I mean, it's it's more likely to get torn down sooner because you know they have controls to look for that stuff, but it doesn't stop them from doing it. Or, mind you, you're a threat actor, and like I compromised Joel Belton's ice cream shop, which has an Azure O365 instance, and then I use that compromised infrastructure to attack uh, Nick Barker's EDR company. You see what I'm saying, right? Because I'm doing the trust and authority of Joel Belton's ice cream up in O365 to legitimize like the activity that I'm going to do. Ultimately, obviously Joel Belton's ice cream O365 instance is going to get, you know, shadow banned or ban hammered or taken down or blocked or whatever. But as a threat actor, what do I care? I'll just move on to another victim and wear him like a pair of pants. Linux malware framework lets attackers install rootkit on targeted systems. A never-before-seen Linux malware has been dubbed a Swiss army knife for its modular architecture and its capability to install rootkits. This previously undetected Linux threat, which security firm Inteaser has dubbed Lightning Framework, is equipped with a plethora of features making it one of the most intricate frameworks developed for targeting Linux systems. The framework has both passive and active capabilities for communication with the threat actor, including opening up SSH on an infected machine and a polymorphic malleable command and control configuration. 
Intesa researcher Ryan Robinson said in a new report published yesterday, Thursday, the Lightning framework is an interesting malware as it is not common to see such a large framework developed for targeting Linux. The discovery of Lightning Framework makes it the fifth Linux malware strain to be unearthed in a short period of three months. Yeah, and chances are there, there are probably more frameworks out there. Okay, a couple of things. One, you can see Intezers. They said Intezer in the, in the podcast, but I just think the guy didn't know how to say it. This is Intezer. Some of you might be familiar with Intezer. We've had the CEO and the CTO of the company on Simply Cyber Live. I do like their product. Um, they're kind of shifting on what their product focus is, but I've used their product. I enjoy their product. Okay. So love that they're doing this research. <clears throat> couple of things about this story. One, this is great for um, people looking to break in the industry or get a little exposure and for practitioners. Okay. Most malware is written to attack um, Windows because think of return on investment. If Windows has 85% of market share, right? And I'm going to spend 40 hours making a piece of malware. I want to get as much value out of my time as possible. So I make malware that works on more endpoints. So Linux has always been kind of like, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, second fiddle, if you want, or second class citizen, because it's had smaller footprint. So less people work on it. Plus there's less experts, you know, for lack of a better term in the criminal space to write malware for these things. But it's very important to point out that a lot of times, yeah, like some of us run Linux as our end user workstation, right? You hear the occasional person who's like, I run Kali. From what I've seen professionally, Linux is typically used for very mission critical IT infrastructure, right? File servers, um, you know, maybe, um, well, mail servers back in the day or firewalls back in the day, but basically, it it's almost to think of like Linux servers as um, you know uh, very important, and then Windows VMs workstations as um, sheep. Just like you know, like if you lose a couple, no big deal or whatever. Like a lot of people just spin up Windows VMs or have the 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 server management team spin up VMs, Windows VMs, and but the the Linux ones are kind of for critical IT infrastructure. So the point is. Even though there's fewer of them, the value of them is higher. So getting one, compromising one, having root kits, backdoor persistence mechanisms, hiding in plain sight, that is awesome because as a criminal because you, you have a high value target. And obviously, you can really wreck a company if you screw with their critical IT infrastructure. We're also seeing ransomware that's being run on Linux machines a little bit more now. So basically, you know... We could have a, a, a discussion, right, about this, but uh, an interesting thought exercise is, is Windows getting hardened to the point where people are able to protect it or detect faster and respond quickly to reduce the level of value for threat actors, whereas Linux is kind of like this um, juicy plum that's ready to be picked off the tree and people are now like, oh, well, like there is actually high value over here on this. Like, let's start focusing our energy over here because people, practitioners, defenders are not looking at these type of things. I don't know. But if you are into security research or if you are into the tech and getting a little bit deeper into the weeds, I'd recommend checking out the the Intizer post because um, they do like a deeper research. Um, yeah, they do a deeper research 
um, on these blog posts. Here, this is the Intizer blog post on the Lightning Framework. Yeah, you can see it right here. I know it's tough to see, um, but yep, very cool. And I'm not saying it's a logo, but we do see a lightning bolt here, guys. It's close to a logo. Smart. Remember, we have a great slate of live Friday content today. All right. So that is going to do it for today's show. Um, I do want to thank everybody. But let's just see really quick if Outpost Gray is doing her CyberFed roundup. Let me see real quick. Oh, let me turn my music back on. Well, hey, I'm going to turn the music on. Let's see if that screws up my audio. Probably not. Probably. Probably not. I, let's take bets. I don't see any upcoming live streams, so I don't think she's doing the CyberFed News Roundup today. Uh, unfortunately, I thought she was. Maybe she's doing it live. I don't know. Anyways, thanks, guys. Let me turn the music on, see what happens with the audio. The music's on. How's it sound? Oh, wait, I can't do that. Oh, God. See what happens when you share your whole screen? All right, so we made it, guys. Just a reminder, starting next week, I'm going to have a whole new rebuilt studio with hardware, audio mixers, um, the, you know, out with the old, in with the new. I want, you know, Pamela, have a, a safe trip to, um, to, to, the, to the event you're going to. I don't want to disclose OPSEC, but have, have a good travel to that. Um, glad the audio was good. Special thanks to Josh Mason for calling my setup janky in the first two minutes and helping me come up with a better solution than holding my cell phone up to the microphone. I was just trying to make it work, right? Okay, okay. Um, I didn't turn into Aqua Jerry. Guys, hey, I'm telling you right now, the sun is rising on Simply Cyber. We have been operating like troglodytes with our audio and with this new mixer, new operating system, we are rising to the surface and we, we will, we will uh, persist, right? Yeah, it was, it was impatient. Oh yeah, thanks Reza. I can't wait to see it. You guys, I'll, I'll, I'll snap photos. Um, I'll post it on show your setup on the Simply Cyber Discord server. If you're not, Oh, Neil's live right now? Here, let me just throw people to that. We can raid them really quickly. Um, see, I wouldn't know that Neil's live right now because he, he's been kind of intermittent on streaming. But let's let's um, let's raid Neil. You guys want to do a raid? Come on. Yeah, you guys want to do a raid? Let's do it. If there's two. All right. So, guys, I'm going to drop it in chat right now. If you want, here, I'm going to drop it in chat. This is Neil Bridges' cyber insecurity live stream, okay? This is what it looks like. He is doing tea with a hacker. It's an AMA stream. If you're interested in just good spirits hanging out, he doesn't really do anything particular as far as like the news or anything like that, but he is a CISO. He's very knowledgeable. He's, you know, he's a personality, right? He's a good guy. Um, um, go ahead and drop hashtag Simply Cyber in chat. I'm going to do it right now. Hashtag Simply Cyber. I see Black Knight over there. Guys, have a great weekend. Let's go raid Neil. Be good, everybody. We'll talk soon.